Hola, Mother Rogues, Father Rogues, and fellow local and long-distance parents. How are we all doing today? Non-custodial. Oh, we're parents. Anyway, I'm a little late. I usually publish these on Mondays, so it's Wednesday. How are we all doing midweek? Missing our kids terribly? Yeah, me too. So, <clears throat> interesting thing happened to me today. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I am recovering from and on short-term disability for uh, bilateral carpal tunnel surgery. I had a lot of pain in both wrists, so I went and had surgery on them three weeks apart. So I did one wrist at the beginning of January, did the other one at the end of January, both times tried to go back to work two days afterward. And ended up, that wasn't the thing to do. So I'm out for six weeks, which means that, as I think I've mentioned, I had to cancel a last-minute trip to New Jersey, or cancel last-minute, a trip to New Jersey to see my son, which absolutely sucked. And now his room, yesterday, this morning, I went down to pick up towels from the linen closet, which is right across from Joey's room. And I have all those doors upstairs closed because I don't know if you can hear the squeaking in the background. I have a boxer who thinks that every room in the house is his and almost everything in the house is a chew toy or a Rocky toy. Boxer's name, Rocky. What were the odds, right? So I was getting towels out of the linen closet and I looked at my son's door and that gut punch just hit me. It's, it's an emotion that I feel just the way you do. And I'm thinking, you know, his birthday is coming up. Could I possibly get down there? I can't. I'm recovering from bilateral carpal tunnel surgery. I am a writer. I need my wrists to cover, to take care of kiddo in the long term, more than I need to go see him in the short term. You know, maybe if I actually say that to myself enough times, I'll start to believe it because intellectually I know it's true but I don't believe it. Good mothers, good parents. We should be there for our kids. We should never miss a birthday. Now I'm carrying a napkin and the dog's sitting here thinking, oh, is that a chew toy? Is that a play toy, mommy? So, but getting back to my original point, good parents, we are there for every birthday, are we not? We are and we aren't. I personally have uh, over the years of all evolved my travel strategy to I go down and pick up my son and bring him back up to Massachusetts for his breaks and I try not to go down for just a weekend because that's a lot of wear and tear on me that's a lot of wear and tear on my car and it's just never enough time I end up feeling lousy after a whole weekend uh happy but lousy and I then it takes me a week to to fall back into this mindset of work, other things besides my kid, other things besides mom guilt. So, um, but so as usual, in a few weeks, I will not be going down to New Jersey for my son's birthday as much as I want to. I will be mailing a party in a box down. Um. 
But I did get a call from uh, my son's case manager. He's autistic. And so he has one saying that I might be needed in New Jersey. And when could I come down again? Well, the answer is always, I'm there. My son needs something. Uh, if he were a typical teenager who didn't struggle with autism and intellectual disability, I would still be there in a heartbeat if somebody told me I needed to be. But what I immediately then had to do was take a step back and think about how this I'm there was going to work out because I have, I, I can't drive that distance. And I really can't, I need my home right now to recover fully from carpal tunnel from surgery. So I feel like I should be able to, because it's, you know, it's kind of like having a sprained knee where I, I could do it and I feel like I could do it, but I know that if I had you know, enough painkillers and wrist braces driving through Connecticut, I could certainly pull it off. Maybe I would just stop every hour on the hour. But I also know that if I do that, I am not going to be able to do any of the things that I want to do with my son over the summer. I'm not going to be able to be there for the long run, and I'm certainly not going to be able to financially support him. So I'm needed. I'm there. What do I have to do to be there? Because I'm certainly not going to drive and I'm not going to take the train because like every other non-custodial parent out there, I'm on a budget. Every other parent out there, I'm on a budget. So what am I going to do? I'm going to look at my dog who has turned a Kong tennis ball into a chew toy. <sighs> I think I've said this before. Uh, and now he's looking at me like, what? Me, mommy? I think I've said this before, you know, some parents, their kids get older, they don't need them as much. And my son is certainly, he needs me, but he is capable of understanding when I can't be there. So, you know, I cut my travel schedule. I'm not down back and forth to New Jersey once a month because that was really impractical. And I had to learn that the hard way. So what do I do to fill in the gap? Working isn't enough. Freelancing isn't enough. I adopt a dog. I adopt a perennial toddler. So, who just kicked his ball under the dining room? I think I'm going to let it stay there. So what are some of the coping strategies for when somebody tells you you're needed and you can't you can't board a plane, you can't hop into the car, because travel takes advanced planning. Even I can't, um, even a local parent, if that's what you are, we can't just hop in a car without notice and be there, because our lives are structured around not being residential custodians, not being there all the time. So we make other work commitments. We make promises and plans that it is that we really can't drop. We make doctor's appointments. We have, we agree to work an extra shift. We take on an extra client. So what do you do when you 
can't get there and you need to. The telephone is my favorite. Uh, for, for the telephone is my favorite first defense. And I'm going to pause you right there. We're going to talk about the phone in five seconds when I am done getting that annoying squeaking ball away from my perennial toddler. Be right back. I'm back. Did you miss me? I have taken away the squeak toy. Now my dog is trying to play fetch with me. He keeps dropping a non-squeaking ball in front of me. By the way, I can't exactly throw anything real good right now. That's a horrible piece of grammar. But forgive me. So now he's trying to bring this ball to me, drop it, and hoping I will scoop it up and fetch it. And right now he's looking at me like, uh, hi, you think you can have this ball? At least the ball isn't squeaking. Like I said, son didn't need me as much anymore. Still miss him every day. Needed something to fill the gap. But adopted a boxer, a.k.a. a perennial toddler. You are welcome to, in case I haven't mentioned this, check out Rocky on Mr. Adorable Dog at Twitter.com. Right now he's being Mr. Adorable and Mr. Innocent Dog. He knows I'm talking about it. So getting back to how when and during those times when you can't be there and you really need to be, those calls that are, can you get down here or out here right away? Okay, so that's when the phone becomes your best friend. You can conference into anything. What you do is you cultivate a, and sometimes you don't even have to cultivate it, you maintain contact with the local area your, your child is in. You make it a point to, and we should all be doing this anyway, uh, see that girlfriend who lives in the next town over or three towns away when you come down to visit. You're allowed. At some point, your kid sleeps. Have her over for a martini. Um, call that good buddy of yours that you go to those baseball games with uh, or you used to when you lived in state every couple of days or every week or so. Make arrangements to go out to a ball game with them when you're, in t- when you're when you know you're going to be in town. Um, parents, you know, no offense to anybody out there, but I follow, I roll on a philosophy that all parents are crazy. I'm a parent. I'm crazy clearly because I have an ex-husband who's an evil IT genius, a reverse Robin hood, CPA husband, a dog who thinks he's a toddler. And the only real adult in my, of all of the male people who surround me, including my dog, the only real adult among them is my son. So, he's also the only sane one. I don't know how he survives. But getting back to all parents are crazy. Maybe your parents are crazy, but maybe they also live nearby or in the next town or three over and can go out to events that you can't get to and be your eyes and ears for you. So, you might not like both your folks. I personally love mine. They're fantastic, but not everybody's me. And maintain a relationship with them anyway. Uh, be be able to call them to reach out to, same goes for a sister or brother-in-law or an uncle or something, a family member who you can call and say, hey, look, there's an emergency. I can't get there in person. Or there's an art show or there's a school concert. Can you go? Can you get there? Can you check them out? Can you find out what's going on for me? 
can you confirm everything is okay and let my child know that I am there, even though I am not there in person? Those are your friends. Those are your family members. These are the people you need around you. Because yes, you can attend a band concert via the phone, and I have. And one of the benefits that we get as long-distance parents or local non-residential parents who work a lot of hours is that we, who can't always get time off for these things, is that if you phone them in, you only get your child's part of the concert. I was in a high school band. I was in, no, I was in an elementary school band. My son was in uh, elementary junior high band. Band is great. Band is fantastic. Until they hit about their freshman, sophomore year of high school, those concerts are, are, are music only to the ears of each individual parent. So if you can actually just get that benefit of only having to listen to your son or daughter's part of that concert, hey, you know, take the good things about this arrangement where they come from, because let me tell you, there aren't many. I want to tell you there are, but they're not. I wouldn't lie to any of you. So there is absolutely nothing you can't phone in. And by the way, in the event of an emergency, an actual emergency, uh, Sam has to go to the ER because he broke a bone. Sally was in a car accident. By the time you board that plane, get into your car, whatever it is, unless you are living in state, then it's a different ballgame. But by the time you get there, the emergency is already passed if you're long distance. So immediately, you you don't want to panic. You don't want to jump on a plane. You don't want to get in your car. You want to slow down. You want to make a phone call. You want to talk to your ex-spouse you want, or fearless co-parent. You want to call the emergency room or the hospital or whatever it is, if, that's, if it's that type of emergency. And you want to send your friend, parent, sister, best buddy, they're in person for you if they can do it or to check on that child the next day. This goes towards, by the way, maintaining a relationship with all of, all of the people in your, in your child's life. So his school teachers, his guidance counselor, um, his stepmother, his stepfather, all of these people, his basketball coach, her soccer coach, the band teacher ballet teacher, the speech therapist, you name it. If they are a part of your son's life, you want to have a relationship with them. And which brings me to the next best way to stay in touch with your kid um, and to be there in case of an emergency. Believe it or not, it's not FaceTime or Skype. Video chat in the event of an emergency or a get here now situation really just makes it a makes you a nuisance and you never want to be that you're going to have a hard enough time as it is. And I just, you, you don't want to have somebody video chat you in unless you say, unless your child, you know, they're, you get the message. Oh, they're okay. They're at home. Everything's okay. And then, yeah. Um, then you want to hand, hand them the phone, but, and I have administered discipline in FaceTime from 210 miles away. It does happen, but it's not the ideal situation. So your next best method of being there when you can't be there is email, text, text. 
You can text your fearless co-parent. They will respond whenever they are ready. You can email your support net, you're in your local support network, and they will let you know. And they will reach out and let you know that everything's okay. They will they will check in with your fearless co-parent. They will check in um, with your child. But if you do it via email, you become unobtrusive. And yeah, you something's happened. You got to be there. But you can't board the plane. The drive you can't make at the last minute unless you're less than an hour out. So what do you do? You keep your phone lines clear. You are available via text at any time. You respond to emails. And if somebody leaves you in suspense, now, I absolutely love my son's uh, case manager. He's brilliant. When I got this call today, I was like, my first thought was like, oh my God, he's going to switch. He's got another assignment. He's being reassigned. And then I breathed a big, huge sigh of relief when I was told what the crisis was, which wasn't any of those things. So, but you can also pick up a phone and say, hey, look, long distance. You know, I know that you're going to craft this email. I know you want to get it right and you want to marshal all these resources, but real quick, tell me what's going on. And if you explain it in such a way, and this is really hard for us to learn, by the way, it was hard for me to learn. If you explain it in such a way that, yeah, certain things you just can't say to somebody who's more than an hour away, like, um, oh, yeah, it's not a crisis, don't panic, because it is a crisis. You're not there to see that it's not. You're not looking with a video camera inside your son or daughter's classroom or bedroom or wherever it is. And your ex-husband or ex-spouse is ex-wife or whatever, ex-partner is working their own job and might not, uh, knows everything's okay, but not might not have time to respond to you. So there's absolutely, if you get a call, phone call saying there's a crisis, there's absolutely no issue with just saying, hey, look, I'm 210 miles away. You said it wasn't an emergency, but what is it? A lot of times that will, and you do that, by the way, before you gas up your car, before you get onto uh, jetblue.com and look at plane tickets or Amtrak or whatever. So these are all good ways, voice, email, to manage crises and manage emergencies with your kids and actually stay connected with them. And then when it's passed, when they're ready, or you can um, FaceTime them or Skype them and confirm for yourself with your own eyes that they are good. But the main thing that we need to learn as long distance or um, non-residential parents in general is that a lot of our kids' lives, they're just out of our control. We're not aware of, of a lot of stuff that goes down. We just aren't. We can't be. It is logistically impossible for a co-parent. Believe me, I've tried to get my ex to do this and had to cop to this, cop to the logic here eventually. Um, it is logistically impossible for the residential custodian, no matter how good of terms you are on with them, to keep you in the loop about every single thing your kid does. So what you have to do is you have to kind of take a deep breath Take a step back and think before we react and have a network in place for those emergencies and have a plan in place. But mostly, whether we like it or not, we have to trust the residential parent. And 
we have to remind ourselves not to panic. Um, kids are going to fall down. They're going to they're going to get scrapes on the playground. So, you know, Louie's going to ask Chrissy uh, Montana to the prom instead of your daughter. Um, your son's not going to make the football team. You know, some guidance counselor is going to say, no, you can't go to Harvard because you're in um, Trenton, New Jersey, and it's too far away and the tuition's too much money. Um, or somebody's going to tell your kid, no, you can't go to college because you have autism or an intellectual disability. All of these things, big and small, they're all going to happen. Your kids are going to stumble, metaphorically speaking, and they're going to get their metaphoric or actual knees scraped and maybe a couple of bones broken, metaphorically or otherwise, in the process of growing up. If you spring at every moment that happens, and believe me, folks, I've done it. I have done it. You will prevent them from growing up. You won't mean to, but you will, because they will learn that they don't have to stand up. There's somebody who feels really guilty about leaving in the first place in the wings who will prop them up. So, and that's not fair to you, and it's not fair to them. You are all excellent parents, especially since you've listened to this entire podcast. I am so proud of you. So let's everybody... uh, Give yourselves a round of applause. That's me doing it on the table because I, with an elbow, because I can't do it with my hands. And this is the Mother Rogue signing off. You are all great parents. You are all connected to your kids. And as always, look me up on Twitter at ChristinaMR68 or at themotherrogue.com. And I will answer your questions. Give me your feedback. Tell me what you think. But remember, Your job is to take care of your kids by taking care of yourself, living guilt-free, and remembering you can't do it all. Nobody can. This is the Mother Rogue, signing off. See you on the flip side. Hey, Joe. It's Mom. So someday, maybe soon, maybe not so soon, the internet is forever, you will Google your mother possibly your father. And if you do, this podcast might come up and so might the Mother Rogue, my blog, and so might a lot of other things come up about me. But if you found this podcast and you're listening to it, I want you to know I love you. You were conceived on your dad's birthday. I think I've told you that story. And I knew two weeks after you were conceived that you were on the way. And I fell in love with you. Or you were were anything but a thought. I knew your dad and I both did. And we wanted you. And we love you so much, Joe. We are proud of you. You are an incredible kid. You are an amazing young man. And you are the best and most important part of both of our lives. So... I started the Mother Rogue because when I gave up voluntarily, and in part because I didn't want to fight Aunt Chrissy in a custody battle, Aunt Chrissy's a force of nature. I like her. That's why she's your guardian. Um, But when I gave up residential custody, I was an anomaly. I was a mommy. Didn't have custody. Hey, you didn't think anything of that. 
and there's nothing to think of that, but other people did. So we started talking about it because it was hard to be without you. And it hurt a little bit every day to be without you. Do not feel guilty about that, Joe. You are not responsible for how I feel or your dad feels or anybody else feels about anything. You are responsible for yourself. Emotions are things that people feel on their own. You don't make them feel that way. That's a little bit of an anomaly. Ask me later. I will explain it. But I decided that I needed to talk about what it felt like to live without you so that maybe other people would, other moms and possibly other dads, would feel like they weren't so alone. You are on my mind, kiddo. Every single day, every single moment of every day, 100%. There isn't a second that doesn't fly by where no matter what I'm doing, be it the biggest proposal in the world or a five-second deadline, whatever it is, I am, there you are in my conscience. I'm thinking of you. Conscious. Conscience is, yeah, guilt. But I am thinking about you. And everything I do I measure against how it's going to affect you, how it's going to affect my relationship with you. How are you going to know that I was always there when I could not be there in person? I don't know how to prove to you how much I love you. I hope I don't ever have to. Someday you will come back to me with hard questions and I will have to answer them. But I want you to know, kiddo, if you find this podcast, and even if you don't, because I'll, I'll remember to remind you, like I always do, much to your chagrin, you were the best and most important part of my life, Joey. You are the best thing I ever did. You are the secret source of my superpower. Because being your mom forces me to step outside my comfort zone forces me to stand up for myself and wanting to be great and brilliant and all of the things I want to be to you drives me to be those things for myself. My happiness, my life, everything about it, none of it is contingent upon you. You are your own person. I am my own person. You are not responsible for any part of anything other than you. But because you exist, you have made my life incredible. An adventure, everything, Joe. So if you ever find this corner of the internet, and you're ever listening because you want to know what your mom was like and what she thought, and I hope you do someday, you should do the same for your dad. This is what I think. I think you are, for the third time in five minutes, best and most important part of my life. And I love you. I love you, sweetheart. Bye, honey.